Hey, you're listening to the Bramley Baptist Church podcast. We're glad you're joining us to listen to this week's message. Whether you're starting your journey or looking to strengthen your walk with God, we believe that God will speak to you today. Let's get into the Word together. I want to start this morning. I've got a letter here from uh, Reverend Steve Jones. Steve Jones, Stephen Jones, I apologize. Uh, he is the president of our, of, uh, our National Fellowship. And of course, if you don't know, uh, we as a church, we belong to the Fellowship of Evangelical Baptist Churches, both regionally to uh, Feb Central and then uh, nationally with uh, Feb, Central, or Feb, Feb National. And so uh, Stephen Jones actually considers Bramley Baptist Church his home church. And uh, he is the president of our fellowship, and, and he's traveling. He's uh, across the world right now, but uh, he wanted to be here, but he's not able to. And so he's asked me to, to read this letter to us uh, uh, on his behalf. And so he says, Dear Pastor David and the Bramley Baptist Church family, I bring you warm greetings in the name of the Lord. I want to express profound gratitude to the Lord on the occasion of your church family's 60th anniversary. This is a significant milestone in the life of your church. I walked into Bramley Baptist Church in January 1979, three weeks after my conversion to Christ. The church family took me under their wing and discipled me, allowing me to nurture my leadership gift The BBC Church family demonstrated what a church on mission truly looked like. I will be forever grateful for my early spiritual formation among you. Thank you. I praise God that you remain a vibrant gospel witness to the city of Brampton and beyond. It is most glorifying to hear of a pastor and people committed to one another and experiencing fruit. May your celebration together be a wonderful occasion to enjoy 60 years of memories and rejoice in what God has in store for you as a church in the future. Giving thanks for what God has done is what we call gratitude. Giving thanks for what God will do is faith. May Bramley Baptist Church be characterized by great faith in the years to come. Glory to God. Blessings, Reverend Stephen Jones, President of the Fellowship Canada. I read that letter and I said, I thought to myself, like, what a, what a legacy this church has had for the last 60 years of gospel ministry. You know, I found myself wondering, like, how many stories are, are like Steve's? How many people have come to faith in Christ uh, through the ministry of BBC? How how many Christians' lives have been shaped and grown by by the ministry here at BBC? I thought to myself, I mean, how many pastors, how how many church leaders, how many missionaries have been sent out into the mission field? I, I wonder, like, if it were possible to measure or quantify the gospel impact this church has had for the kingdom of God, it would be astounding. And praise God for that. But how necessary is it for us to remember our history I can't, uh, I can't tell you um, how lucky I am. I have the best in-laws in the world. And I have such tremendous uh, respect for them. Uh, they immigrated to Canada back in the 1970s. Uh, they were fleeing a civil war that was going on in their home country of Chile. And they came here with nothing. 
And, and they didn't speak a word of English. They started out, they started sharing a, an, a small apartment with, a, with another couple. Uh, my father-in-law took a job that he had to walk halfway across the city of Windsor to get, and he did that, walked it there and back every day. And they had no idea what the future had in store for them. I can't tell you how many times I've, I've sat and I've heard this story uh, from, from Allie's mom and, and her dad. And, and they say, we could never have imagined in our, in our wildest dreams that we would be where we are today. Allie's dad would soon find a job uh, closer to home and eventually he'd become uh, head of machine repair in, that, in, in a factory and, and he'd retire from that job uh, 40 years later. Uh, they would find a house of their own that's large enough to, to host uh, family get-togethers and dinners and visits. Uh, they would not just have two daughters born in Canada, but they would later gain two son-in-laws, handsome son-in-laws. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't expect that, but okay. (laughs) And they would be blessed, more importantly, with uh, seven grandchildren. And for Ali's parents, what's been so important to them is to remember to never forget where they came from. To always remember Not because they're nostalgic, but because remembering it keeps you grounded. It keeps you grateful. And it gives you perspective and hope for the future. I think that's why it's important for us to commemorate significant anniversaries like this. I think as a church, we should never forget where it is that the Lord has brought us from. To always remember where and how it all started. To celebrate God's faithfulness down through the years because it keeps us grounded. And it keeps us thankful and it gives us perspective of just what the Lord is leading us to next. We need to remember our history to keep us thankful, to keep us hopeful for the future I think that's why the Lord drew me to to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Because in it, Moses is saying something uh, very similar to the Israelites. Uh, Just before the Israelites head into the promised land, they they pause for a moment. and, And Moses, he takes some time to remind them of just how far the Lord has brought them. He, he takes some time to remind them of the commandments and the promises of the Lord. And Moses is calling them to look back in gratefulness, but he's also calling them to look forward, to learn from their past, to prepare them for their future. And that's, that's my hope this morning. My, my hope is that we, we would take some time and we would remember our history. We would celebrate 60 years of God's great faithfulness. But in looking back, my prayer is, is that it would stir our hearts for what the Lord has in store for us. Let me just take some time to pray before we look at our passage this morning. Father, we come in this morning with joyous and grateful hearts still overflowing from uh, the events of last night. And uh, God, as we look at your word, all the stories that have gone on in past years are encouraging, but, but they still fail in comparison to the encouragement we get from your word. And so I pray as we look at your word, as we open it up, that you would speak to us as a church in a, in a special way this morning. 
and that your Holy Spirit would minister to our hearts and draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So Deuteronomy is unique. It's unique because it is both retrospective and, pros- and prospective. Meaning it is, it is both looking back to the past while also looking uh, towards the future. It's remembering God's faithfulness in the years gone by and calling Israel to continue to rely on that faithfulness going forward. Israel's reached a, a pivotal point in their journey to the promised land, the land of Jordan. They've just been wandering around the desert for 40 years and they have seen God's faithfulness despite their unfaithfulness. He's delivered them from Egypt. He's delivered them out of bondage of slavery. And while they've walked around the the desert for 40 years because of their disobedience, God has graciously kept them, protected them, and provided for them. And so in Deuteronomy, we, we find Israel at a standstill. They're, they're just about to enter uh, the promised land. But before they do, Moses stops and he begins to give them a speech. And he reminds them of the commands of God. He reminds them of the covenant promises and commitments. He reminds them of God's faithfulness, his grace, his mercy, how far he has brought them. But he gives them this warning just before they enter the promised land. Look with me at verse 10. We we see this warning here so important. Moses says, And when the Lord God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give you with great and good cities that you did not build and houses full of all good things that you did not fill and cisterns that you did did not dig and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Do you see the warning? Take care lest you forget the Lord. Take care lest you forget just how far he has brought you. Take care lest you forget the the faithfulness of God. Take care lest you forget that it was he who brought you this far and not yourselves. You can just picture the Israelites standing in the desert and and they can see just off in the distance, there's the promised land, just just over there. We're we're almost there. And Moses stops and says, hey, listen, before we get there, I need to give you this warning. We're about to enter the promise. We're about to enter into the land of blessing and plenty, but there's a danger when we get there. We could forget the Lord. We could forget his faithfulness. We could forget just how it is that we got here in the first place. And I thought about that this week as we sit here this morning celebrating 60 years of gospel ministry. I I think of that, that small group of families that started to meet in Balmore Public School back in 1964. And, and the faith they must have had and the promise that they were believing that God would build a church from that small faithful group of families. And it dawned on me that we are in fact living in fulfillment of God's promise to them. I mean, did they imagine this? Could they even 
picture a church of over 1,300 plus people with three congregations in Arabic, Urdu, English, a thriving children's ministry and camp ministry and youth ministry and young adults ministry, over 40 different small groups who gather to pray and study God's word and fellowship. Could they envision the the missionaries that have been sent out, uh, the, the support that's been given, the local outreach, the benevolence ministries, care ministries, a gym that is used for ministry and outreach almost every night of the week. Could they even imagine what the Lord would do through their faith? I think we need to to realize as we sit here this morning and celebrate that we are living in the promise, in the fulfillment of that promise to this small group of people that started this church. What a blessing we have of being part of this thriving church. And the danger is, the danger is we could take it all for granted. The danger is that we could miss the warning that Moses gives to the Israelites. To forget the faithfulness of the Lord, the the sacrifice, the faith, the work that was put in that, that got us to this point. The danger is to forget that we didn't get here on our own, in our own strength, in our own abilities, that it wasn't because of our giftedness alone or because we were smart enough or wise enough or strong enough. No, this church is what it is and where it is today be only because of the grace and mercy and faithfulness of God. There's a danger of getting comfortable and taking the blessings of the Lord for granted. I mean, all when we are wandering in the wilderness and life seems just a constant battle and every day we, we, are, we are forced to rely on the Lord daily for his provisions in order to survive, it's actually easier to remember the Lord in those times. But when you get into seasons of comfort and blessings, The temptation is to forget the Lord and how far he has brought us. So I see this calling. I read this calling, the warning of Moses, and I see it as so relevant for us today, this calling to remember, to not forget. And, and here's some, just some things I think I see Moses re- calling these people to remember, and I think there are things that you and I need to remember as well. The first is this. Remember, Moses says, to walk in the fear of the Lord. Remember to walk in the fear of the Lord. And I get that actually from the opening verses of chapter 6. Look there with me in chapter 6 verse 1. And we read his words there. He says, now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. That you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it. That you may fear the Lord your God you and your son and your son's sons by keeping all his statutes and commandments which I command you all the days of your life that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them that it may go well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your father, has promised you in the land flowing with milk and honey. So as we look back on the past generations of BBC, what, you know, we, we wonder like, what drove them 
to walk in obedience and submission to the Lord and, and the will of God. I mean, it had to be nothing less than what Moses is describing here, the fear of the Lord. And maybe when I say that, you got to say, well, you know, Pastor, that doesn't really sound so inspiring on an anniversary. You know, fear the Lord. And there's a bit of hesitation around that statement. What do you mean by fear the Lord? Well, well often uh, we struggle with that because in our day and age, it's hard to wrap our minds around what it means to fear the Lord. Many times we'll, we'll hear people mention the fear of the Lord and they simply say it means to have a, a deep reverence for God. And I get that. I, I understand that. But I, I think it's, you know, I think we can dig a bit deeper than that. I think we struggle with understanding what it means to fear the Lord because in our mind, we we so easily think of fear as an emotion. And so in essence, what we're asking when we ask about the fear of the Lord, we're asking, what does it feel like to fear the Lord? And the problem is that the Bible doesn't tell us what it feels like to fear the Lord. The Bible always tells us what it looks like to fear the Lord. To have the fear of the Lord isn't about how we feel about him, but rather how we live in relationship with him. Uh, The fear of the Lord is about how we live for the Lord. Uh, Let me give you a few examples. Uh, Let me give you a few examples here. Uh, For instance, uh, Psalm 115 verse 11 uh, tells us that fearing the Lord looks like trusting him completely. Right? It says, you who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. Psalm 130 verse 4 tells us that fear looks like experiencing God's forgiveness. It says, but with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. Psalm 112 verse 1 says, fearing the Lord looks like delighting in his word. It says, blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. Proverbs 8 tells us that the fear of the Lord looks like hating evil. The, the, the fear of the Lord, it says, is the hatred of evil. Fearing the Lord, Psalm 147 tells us, looks like hoping in God's steadfast, loyal love. It says, but the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, who those who hope in his steadfast love. So we come to the word of God asking, what should I feel when I fear the Lord? But that's the wrong question. The question isn't, how does it feel? The question is, what does it look like? What does it look like to live in the fear of the Lord? And and that's the answer that that Moses is giving us here in these verses. To Moses, fearing the Lord looks like living in submission to his will and his command. It's, It's why he starts the way he does. This is the commandment, he says, that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you that you may do them in the land which you are going over, that you may fear the Lord. And as I think back on the monumental moments of this church's history, I'm convinced those monumental moments came because someone or some people were walking in the fear of the Lord. Meaning they were were walking in submission to the will of the Lord. They were walking in the fear of him. I think again of that small group of people gathering in that school gym. I mean, they were walking in submission to the will of the Lord because we don't know all the stories. And we don't know all the sacrifice that went into it. 
Because sometimes, well, well, it isn't easy walking in the fear of the Lord. Sometimes uh, walking in the fear of the Lord comes at a great cost. And when they made that decision to, to purchase that property, to, to take that next step on, on Otter Street, they were walking in submission to the will of the Lord. I think of uh, Pastor Stu Sylvester calling the church to, to pray over this land that we are currently on, trusting that God would give it to them, calling a, a group of people to walk the border and pray over this land that we are standing on. They, they did that because they had a healthy fear of the Lord. They, they were walking in submission to the will of the Lord. We could jump to, to more recent history, the step of faith it took to, to build this gym addition that we have. It happened because pastors and leaders and church members were willing to step out and walk in submission to the will of the Lord. And we see the blessings of their obedience. Listen, folks, we, we don't know what the future holds, but we can be sure of this. That if the Lord did great things in this church history through those who were willing to walk in submission and obedience to him, surely he will do the same in the future. That whatever great things the Lord did in, it does in this church future, it will come the same way through a generation of people who are walking in the fear of the Lord. Remember to walk in the fear of the Lord. Here's, here's the second thing Moses tells them. Moses tells them, remember your first love. We see that in verse four. Remember your first love. He says this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. I mean, we should be familiar. Those verses should sound uh, familiar, uh, not only because it was what the, was called the Shema of the Jews, the, the reminder that they would chant uh, to themselves daily and, and that they would repeat as they gathered as a group of people, but, but it's actually the command that, that Jesus repeats to us in the Gospels. And Jesus tells us that this is the greatest commandment given to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Remember your first love. Over and above uh, every love is your love for God. Why? Well, well, because he's faithful, right? Moses uses God's covenant name, Yahweh, right? And we know that because we notice that all four letters of Lord are capitalized. And whenever you see all four letters of Lord capitalized in the Old Testament, it tells us that it's been translated from Yahweh, God's covenant faithful name. It's a reminder that God keeps his promises, that he never fails, that he is always faithful. Even when we are faithless, he is worthy of our love. We love him because he is a personal God. He is the Lord, our God. He's my God. He's your God. He isn't a God that is so far removed from his people that he isn't concerned or bothered with the details. No, he's, he's, he is our God. He's intimately involved in every aspect of our lives. We can know this covenant faithful God personally and intimately. We love him because of who he is. Moses says the Lord is one. 
And that oneness is not just a a word for unity. It's a, a title of uniqueness. Israel was getting ready to head into a land of people who worship multiple gods. But Moses' statement here is emphasizing there is only one true God. There is no God like Yahweh. There is no God like our God. There is only one true God who is worthy of all our worship, all our adoration, all our praise. No God, only one God who is worthy of our complete love. And so love him with everything that is in you, your heart, your soul, and your strength. You know, I'm convinced that this church has been able to accomplish great things because of its great love for a great God. I mean, that's been the theme. That's been the motivation for all we do. We don't do ministry out of a love for self. We don't do it for a love of praise or a, a popularity or, or influence. Uh, the foundation of, of every motivation of every ministry is we do it for a love of the Lord. It must be or else we lose sight of what this is all about. For the glory of our Lord. You know, this was the failing of, of the church of Ephesus. Remember in, in Revelation, right, where Jesus writes uh, seven letters to seven churches and he gives them commendations and warnings. And this was the warning he gave to the Ephesian church. You can, you can read about it in Revelation chapter two. It should be up on your screens. It says this, it says, I, Jesus says this. He says, I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sakes and you haven't not grown weary but I have this against you that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember therefore where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. I mean, this church of Ephesus was by all means on the surface. It, it would have seemed like a, a healthy, thriving church. And Jesus gives this some amazing commendations. He commends them for their faithfulness and their stand against evil and their endurance and the praise of his name and their perseverance in the faith. I mean, you would walk into this church if it was modern day and you'd see a church packed, faithful preaching, vibrant worship. If it was today, we'd have a packed children's ministry and youth ministry. They would have all the facets on the surface of a healthy church. But Jesus is saying, amongst all of that flashiness, I have this against you. You've forgotten the love you had at first. You've forgotten your first love. And he calls them to repent, to turn back, go back to the basics. Here's as basic as it gets. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest commandment. Listen, it tells us that we can add everything, everything in this church that attracts people to our church. We could Pack the house every week, every service, every event, every gathering, well attended. And yet, if we have forgotten the reason that we do it all, it's meaningless. If we've forgotten that the reason we do this 
is because we love Jesus. We're missing the point, and it's all for nothing. Moses warns Israel as you, you head into that promised land, don't forget your first love. Don't forget to love the Lord. And as we head into the future, and, and we are seeking great things here at BBC, Lord, Lord, we pray, we pray, help us not to forget our first love. Thirdly, Moses remembers, reminds Israel, honor God's word. Honor God's word. I get that from what I see in verses six to nine there. He says, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on your doorposts and your house and your gates. Moses talks about these words. He says, these words that I command you and what he has in mind here uh, isn't just what he's saying in this passage or even the commands that he's just reminded them of, but rather what he has in mind here is the totality of the teaching that they have received from him. And these words, uh, no, Moses, make sure they understand these words that I've been told to command you, meaning these words didn't come from me. These words come from God. And they are meant, he says, to permeate Every aspect of your life. Take these words, Moses says, and he says, don't just hear them, but let them be on your heart. Meaning think and, and ponder and meditate on these words. Let these words permeate and impact your life. He's saying, teach them to your children. Talk about them as you sit at home and think and talk and meditate as you walk and lie down and rise up. And the idea is that, is that at those points of your day and everywhere in between, the word of God, the commands of God, the teachings of God should make an impact on every aspect, every part of your life. Keep your eyes on them. Remember them. And no doubt Moses is reminding them of this because they, as they head into this foreign land, the distractions from the world and the contradictions of the world and the conflict with the world, it's going to increase. Oh, it's so easy to honor God's word when they are gathered together as a community. But Moses saying, we're about to disperse into a land and, and as you go, you need to remember to honor God's word, to revere his word, to, to live his word, because the nations around you, well, they don't honor God's word. The nations around you, they don't revere God's word. And it can be tempting when the nations around you give no honor to his word. The temptation can begin that you begin to forsake his word as well. How applicable, I thought, is that today? As we gather together as a community on Sunday, it's so easy for us to have a, a deep reverence for God's word. We love God's word. So easy to honor his word when we're with other believers, but how much more do we need to read and hear and meditate on God's word as we go out into the world 
the foreign land that we live in with so many distractions and conflicts and contradictions to the truth of God's work everywhere we look. How easy it is for you and I to to compromise on the truth of God's word when the culture and the society that we live in is becoming more and more hostile to the truth and the teaching of God's word. How easy is it for you and I to forsake the truth of God's word when it seems like every day churches who once stood shoulder to shoulder with us in defense of the infallibility and sufficiency of God's word are now beginning to capitulate to the culture as well. I'm convinced more than ever that the battle of our generation of the church is the battle for the truth the battle for the sufficiency, the infallibility of the word of God. And the legacy of this great church is that for over 60 years, it has stood and built its ministry upon the truth of God's word. The legacy, praise God. The legacy is that for 60 years, this church has not wavered It has not compromised. It has not capitulated to the culture. And if God has honored that perseverance down through the years, he will continue to honor his word well into the future. Jesus Christ said that heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will live forever. It will not pass away. God honors a churches who honor his word. Finally, let's remember this. Remember that this church was built upon the solid rock, the truth of the gospel. Remember, remember the centrality of the gospel. That is that we keep the gospel at the heart, at the center of all that we do. You wonder, well, that's a, that's a great point, but, but where do you see the gospel here? Well, it's there. The gospel just looked a bit different in the Old Testament. There was an, an event in Israel's history that they were told to constantly be reminded of. They're constantly commanded in the Old Testament to remember this event, and it's remember God's deliverance from Egypt. And we see it in our verses here. We see it in, in verse 12 where, where Moses says, Take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And then Moses, he, he expands upon it a bit later on there as we, we skim down to verse 20. He, he expands a bit on it. He says, When your son asks you in the time to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall taste, you'd say to your son, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a a mighty hand and the Lord showed signs and wonders and great and grievous against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes and he brought us out from there that he might bring us in and give us this land that he swore to give to our fathers. 
So over and over, Israel in the Old Testament is commanded. It's a commandment. Remember how the Lord delivered you out of Egypt. Remember that you were slaves, that you were in bondage, and the Lord brought you out with a a mighty hand, with signs and wonders, and he brought you out of bondage into this promised land. Remember that. And when we look at the story of how Israel was delivered, we begin to recognize that there are great connections to our deliverance through Jesus. In fact, we find out that the Israel deliverance from Egypt, it foreshadows the deliverance that comes ultimately through Christ. Israel was in bondage. And it was during this bondage that that, that the Passover, during the Passover that, that God delivered them. And the Passover happened when when Israel sacrificed a lamb and the blood of that lamb was wiped over their doors so that when the angel of death passed through Egypt, it passed over and it did not come near the Israelites. And we fast forward to the New Testament and we find out that Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb. That he is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That he was sacrificed on our behalf. That his blood was shed and it cleanses us from sin and saves us from the wages of sin, which is death. And we realize that that just like the Israelites, that that before Jesus, we were living in bondage and slavery. Ours was a a spiritual bondage. We, We were slaves to sin. We were slaves to our desires and slaves to the guilt and shame that came with it. And the deliverance from slavery that Israel experienced is the deliverance that is available by faith in Jesus Christ. And just like God delivered Israel with great signs and wonders, oh, he does the same with us. He raised his son from the dead three days after he was sacrificed. And just like Israel was promised a promised land, we are promised an eternity with Christ. We have to see the connections. Because just like God commanded Israel to remember their deliverance, God commands his New Testament saints, remember your deliverance from Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ. Remember what Christ has done. Remember what he has accomplished on your behalf. Remember, don't forget, don't take it for granted. It's why communion is so vital because every time we take the cup, we remember the deliverance that was secured on our behalf through Jesus Christ. This church was built on that message of the gospel. This church is built, it it was founded on the message that deliverance is available through Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ died for our sins, resurrected from the dead, and by faith in him, we can have new life and we can know God as our God. And as you and I, we we navigate the future, as you and I discern where it is that the Lord is leading us in this new season, one thing is for sure, our, our commitment, our focus, the centrality of the gospel, it must remain. We cannot forget. In Israel... Israel gives us some clues as to how we can ensure that generations never forget. For instance, as we were reading, did did you notice the importance of passing on the message to the next generation? Did you notice that? 
I mean, Israel was serious about youth ministry before youth ministry was cool. Notice that where Moses tells them to focus on the word in first and first 17, the, the first place you focus, he says, is teach them diligently to your children at home. And then we see it again in verse 20. He says, when your son, when your daughter, when your children, when they ask you the meaning, you, you need to tell them the story of God's deliverance. The key to the, the future of our church, of, of the global church, is ensuring that our youth, our children, know and understand the gospel. And one thing I can say is I've talked to many people over these last few months is that the heartbeat of this church, one of the heartbeats of this church is children and youth ministry. I mean, when I've talked to people over the years, I found that, that if I talk to people who've been here for 30 or 40 years, or if I talk to people who've been here for, for just a, a year or so, they say they've come here or their family came here because we had kids ministry. And so their parents are, or they're bringing their children out. Because we're ministering to the kids and we're sharing the gospel truth with their kids. I mean, that's why we're so grateful for, for Grace and Mark and Dandy and Sandra. And we're so grateful for, for all the volunteers and leaders who, who freely give so much of their time investing in that next generation because it's so crucial to the future of this church. And it's biblical. Yet parents, notice, notice that these Israelites weren't bringing their kids to the temple and dropping them off and leaving it up to the leaders to disciple their children. That's not how it works. Notice where discipleship started. It started at home. The centrality of the gospel, it cannot just be here at church the centrality of the gospel has to be at your home. What we do here only supplements what you are doing at home. It's a partnership that we have. The centrality of the gospel is the key to everything that we do as a church. Folks, as we stand here and we celebrate God's faithfulness to this church for the last 60 years, let us remember, let us not forget that we are standing on the shoulders of past generations. Generations of people, generations of saints who were willing to walk in the fear and submission of the Lord and, and be willing to follow his leading no matter the cost. Let us remember we are standing on the shoulders and generations of saints whose first love was a love of God. First and foremost, they, they built this church with the hope of giving him glory and not themselves. Generations who stood on and honored the truth of God's word. Generations who built this church on the gospel and kept the gospel at the center of all that they did. And as we, as we remember those things and as we face the future and we're excited about what the future holds, we realize that if, if that's what it took to build this church and lay the foundation of this church, then those values and those hopes and that perspective is what is gonna carry this church 
on into the future. Thanks for listening and making us a part of your walk. We encourage you to take today's teachings and apply it to your life. Challenge not only yourself, but those around you. Our support in your journey does not end here. To hear more messages from all our series or to speak to someone to help grow your faith, visit us at branley.org.